Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Time to get outside. This is KSL Outdoors. Brought to you by Bear River Lodge. Two hours of stories and information on hunting, fishing, and high adventure. KSL Outdoors with Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back. Hour number two and the final one for another week, as always, here of KSL Outdoors Radio. Just uh, getting a text from. Bob and Mark, who are going to be out hiking at Snow Canyon today as we record here on a Thursday. So they're going to be sharing that. I hope that uh, those of you that listen to the program on a regular basis take the opportunity to go to our Facebook page, at least on occasion, and just see uh, some of the pictures and some of the stories that we reference here every Saturday morning for a couple of hours. Today, uh, this week especially, because Mark has taken some just amazing pictures and uh, we'll talk to him about it coming up just briefly before we find out what uh, Snow Canyon is looking like today. But uh, pictures of eagles flying in the wild, both young and old, and uh, he's a great photographer. Bob, too. Uh, but they always take their cameras and, and share some fantastic pictures that I have put over on our uh, Facebook page, which is KSL Outdoors Radio, if you're looking forward to searching it out in the search box. And then save it as one of your favorites. But uh We'll talk to the boys and see what the uh, hiking is like in Snow Canyon this morning in just a few minutes. Snow day today takes us to Park City. We have just had uh, an abundance of snow. What was uh, Alta saying this past week? They they got 52 inches, and that was even before the last round was totally done. But over four feet, four and a half feet of snow uh, from the storm system that just seemed to never quit over uh, four straight days that caused just uh, havoc on our roads for the morning commute. But uh, all that snow is uh, leading to a fantastic ski season and an early start to, to the season, which is, of course, a really big deal for not just resorts business, but for hotels and for restaurants and uh, everything else that comes along with visitors that come here for the holidays. And then we'll wrap up the morning, as we always do, talking with uh, Roger Eggett from Bear River Lodge and find out how things are going up there as far as snow goes. And uh, I'm sure the snowmobiles are out and running by now, and we'll uh, tell you how you can get involved with just getting away for the weekend or getting out and playing in some of this uh, greatest snow on earth that uh, Utah always offers. Want to start the hour, though, by bringing in our sport fish coordinator for the Division of Wildlife Resources, Randy Opplinger, uh, who joins us to talk about all things fishing and is uh, here to spend a few minutes with us today. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, Tim. Uh, are we ready for – we wanted to talk about ice fishing, obviously, and how to uh, lower or decrease the impact on fish in a catch-and-release fashion for ice fishing. Are we there yet? I just saw a uh, post from the marina up at uh, the marina store at uh, Strawberry, and it looks like the the ice is spreading, and maybe this is uh, the cap that's going to hold for the rest of the season. But can we say we're there just yet? I think maybe it's just a little bit early, but we are really close to there. I've, I've heard from our, our Alan, our biologist at the Strawberry, that Mud Creek Bay and Chicken Creek East Bay have enough ice that people could fish on it. But I, th- I think, uh, you know, right now the main body of the lake, it's still a little thin. And then if you look kind of statewide, you know, I surveyed our biologist, Four Waters, that have safe ice right now. I've heard 
Schofield has some, Mill Hollow has some, and Tibble Fork have some, and that's kind of that's kind of it. I think everything else is still working on capping, but I, I think we've got a, a really cold weekend in store, and we've got all the snow, so I, I think we're close, but it might be another week or two before we really see kind of widespread number of lakes that have good ice. Yeah, well, the lows last night, uh, as we record this program on Thursday, uh, the lows expected here for Thursday night, Friday night, and then tonight, Saturday night, are going to be probably 12 to 14 degrees in the valley. So my guess is that single digits are below freezing in some of those places. Yeah, absolutely. And those kind of temperatures, they'll make ice pretty fast. I said below freezing. What I meant was below zero. (laughs) Obviously, all of this is below freezing this morning. All right, so we wanted to uh, talk about, you know, these fish are obviously stressed. They're living under the uh, ice in dark conditions and probably uh, managing the the stress themselves on how much activity they actually have, but they still need to eat to stay alive. So that's why we go out and have some fun doing uh, ice fishing. But we certainly want to reduce the stress on them. Let's walk through some of the ways to do that. Um, my guess is not to fight them too hard for too long is one of the main things. Yeah, I think I think that's one of the main things. Don't fight them for too long, too hard. Um, you know, definitely water temperatures are cooler. It's it, it's you know seems like it should be easier on the fish, but it turns out cold temperatures are also kind of stressful. So yeah, you want to play it easy on the fish as you're reeling them in. I think some of the other things that really come to mind is even though it's cold out, you need to just keep the amount of time that that fish is exposed to the air just to a minimum. Um, again, you know, fish need to be in the water to be able to get the oxygen that they need to survive and turns out that even though it's not hot outside, the cold actually has some adverse effects on fish as well. So you start getting some, some freezing on some sensitive areas like the gills and the eyes of the fish. If it's really cold outside, you pull them out of the water. So we definitely recommend that even during ice season, you know, you catch a fish and you're looking to release that fish, get it back in the water as fast as you can. It's almost unavoidable, though, when you're uh, ice fishing to get them out and not have them on the ice for a period of time. How damaging is that for the fish? Yeah, I think that it's not ideal for the fish. No, I think we all do it. it. It's so easy to do when you're ice fishing. But, you know, I think, again, you know, look for ways just to keep that time to a minimum. So, you know, we certainly recommend that people just being, being as prepared as possible to get fish off as fast as possible when they're ice fishing. I think it's easy when you're out there ice fishing to bury your pliers, for example. You're going to use to release the fish under a bunch of uh, layers of jackets and things like that. We're trying to keep that stuff just front and center so you can get that fish off quickly is what we recommend. What do you tell them as far as uh, the way they've hooked these fish up, if they're uh, going to release them? Are there times when you look at it and you say, yeah, I've got to keep this one that would be similar to fishing any other time during the year, I would imagine? Yeah, it really is similar to other times of year. You know, certainly the deeper that fish is hooked, you know, if it's got hooked, for instance, you might want to look at bringing that fish home. And again, you know, use your discretion. I think, you know, if you're, you're putting that fish back in a hole and it keeps popping back up to the top and it's just not doing well, it's not recovering, even if you... uh you know, try doing your standard kind of pull in and out through the water to get some oxygen over the gills. It's just not recovering. You know, think about taking that fish home. It's probably not going to make it. Can we talk for a minute, too, about uh, gear? Because I think having the right gear probably will reduce stress on the fish simply because uh, with a long pull, you're uh, having to maneuver that fish in a lot of different directions that if you just had a small ice fishing pole, which will cost you 20 25 bucks. Uh, would be less uh, damaging to the fish and much easier for you, too. Yeah, no, definitely. I think having the right equipment helps the fish, and it helps you out as well. You know, I I think you certainly can use your standard summer fishing rod that's, what, six or eight feet long, you know, on ice conditions. But 
an ice fishing pole really works great. And, you know, a lot of ice fishing poles, you know, are, are just kind of small. They're sensitive. They help you know when you're getting a strike from the fish. Uh, strikes during the winter months to be uh, particularly subtle. So, you know, having that pole helps you know when you're getting a strike. You could also put a spring bobber on the end of that uh, rod that make it even more sensitive so you know when you're getting a strike. And what all that does is it, it helps you, A, know when you have a fish, which could be difficult during the cold uh, conditions when fish aren't biting very hard. But the other thing it does is it lets you be very responsive when you have the fish so you can maybe get that fish up a little more quickly and not be so worried about that fish swallowing its hook, getting gut hooked, and then, you know, which is really damaging to the fish. So it's good for the fish, and it helps you catch more fish as well. So it's really kind of a win-win for everyone. Everybody would probably uh, like to wear gloves or need to wear gloves on the coldest of days up there. Gloves might actually help protect the fish too, would they not? Well, I think, you know, sometimes, depending on the glove that you have, you know, some of the gloves are the really absorbent materials. You're talking cotton gloves and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, they're going to suck some of the slime layer off the fish, which is going to damage the fish. So I, I definitely recommend, you know, wearing more of a, a rubbery kind of glove to keep your hands warm um, or, you know, taking your gloves off when you release the fish. I, I know that's hard to do when it's cold out, but, you know, oftentimes it just takes a few seconds. Whip your glove off, get the fish off the hook, put it back in the hole, and then um, uh, get your gloves back on and warm back up. I hadn't thought about that, but uh, you're right. Depending on the material, you could actually probably absorb more of that slime on the outside of the fish than you would with just a bare hand, although that makes for some cold fingers briefly. But usually when the adrenaline's flowing, uh, especially if it's a nice catch, you forget all about that pretty quickly. No, absolutely. I, I feel like when I'm out ice fishing, I got so much adrenaline going through me, I'm too hot, if anything. So I, I think, you know, taking the gloves off for a few seconds it isn't too bad in the end. And usually you got time to warm those fingers back up before the next fish comes. One of Navadovska's uh, favorite uh, statements is there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothes. You certainly need to make sure you have uh, good clothes while you're going out. But especially, and I've learned this over the years uh, because accidents happen, uh, have some dry clothes, maybe a backup of shoes or boots and a backup of socks certainly in the car helps immensely. Yeah, no, it does help immensely. Like I said, you know, it, it, it's cold out. It's ice fishing season. And even though you might feel warm, um, you know, it's important to dress in layers. And keep, uh, you keep yourself warm. You know, you want to avoid hypothermia and frostbite and things like that from happening. And you're right, having an extra layer of clothes could really make a big difference. Um, I think, you know, for me, and I think this is for a lot of people, and one of, one of the areas of the ice that seems to always be the weakest is right on the edge. So sometimes you're just walking off the lake and you got to, deal with you know a, a couple feet of just weak ice and sometimes you get a little bit wet and having those dry clothes to put on helpful yeah and those conditions can change not just day to day but uh, from the morning to the afternoon depending on what kind of a day you're out there and whether the wind is blowing or not makes a big uh, factor too all right randy we'll leave it there we'll tell everybody if you want more information the place to get it is to go to wildlife.utah.gov click on the fishing link and you'll find many more details but uh, as always Thanks to our sport fish coordinator for the Division of Wildlife, Randy Opplinger. Have a great weekend, Randy. Yep, thank you. Thank you, Tim. And if we don't talk to you again, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year, all of those things. Yep, same to you. We are headed out to do a little hiking with uh, the boys. Road tripping is coming up next here on KSL. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. 
Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. It is time for us to do a little road tripping today, and we're headed down south to Snow Canyon State Park with the boys. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road It's road tripping with Bob and Mark, and uh, you guys are teasing me a little bit by sending me pictures right now of what you called your studio for the day. Everything here is white, but boy, that red rock looks inviting with some sunshine right now, Bob. Yeah, we've got uh, red rock and blue sky. It wasn't that way earlier in the week, but today it is beautiful. Well, Mark, you were saying before we jumped on to record here that uh, there's even some snow uh, in Snow Canyon State Park, which is uh, perfect. That's a beautiful sight against the Red Rock, I'm sure. It is. You know, Snow Canyon doesn't get its name from having snow. It's the name of a person. <laughs> and so when you get when you get a little bit of snow with the Red Rock and the white sandstone and the black lava, it's beautiful. Becky and I have uh, spent a little bit of time there when we were visiting friends down in uh, in, in St. George. We rode bikes through uh, Snow Canyon during the uh, spring or, su- or fall. It wasn't very hot. It was really a beautiful day, and I know they've got a nice bike trail that goes through there. But you guys are hiking today. We, wa- we are. We're on the Petrified Dunes. If you're familiar with Snow Canyon, you'll know where the Petrified Dunes is a favorite spot for hiking on these big sandstone dunes. I bring my grandkids here, and they love it. They, they. I'm sorry to tell you, Tim, but they actually like this more than Disneyland. Oh man, that hurts a little bit. No, <laughs> I'm actually okay with that. And for Grandpa, it's a lot cheaper. Oh heck yeah! I, I have great grandkids. Not great grandkids, but great kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And you don't have to buy. You don't have to buy the funny ears hat that cost you twenty five dollars either. That's true. It saves us a lot of money, and it's a lot of fun to explore this park with them. You know, before we get into talking about Snow Canyon, Mark and I would like to tell you a little bit about our day in Zion earlier this week on Monday. I would love to. And as a matter of fact, I teased the fact that I was going to talk to you guys about some of the pictures that you've been taking this week. Just really beautiful, and I hope it's okay. I I shared them on our Facebook page, but uh, Mark, specifically, your pictures of uh, the eagles that you bumped into Unbelievable. Just beautiful. Well, we've, we've been out chasing some eagles and just getting shots, pictures of them, of course. But then on Monday, we were in Zion and there was snow on the ground and we came across a big old California condor, you know, the largest land bird in North America. And this one had about a nine-foot wingspan, I'd say. Would you agree with that, Bob? Yeah, it was a young adult. We, we thought it might be a juvenile. We don't know because there's feathers, like a feather bow on its neck. And usually when they're a full adult, they don't have those feathers on their neck. We're wondering if they grow them in the winter to keep their necks warm. <laughs> this, one, this, one, this one just flew right over the top of us, and that's a rare occurrence in Zion. But uh, just with the snow on the ground, the red sandstone, the blue skies, actually the clouds were kind of in and out from the storm that had just come in. And we had another storm come in that night. In fact, put some more snow down on the, in the park. Not- yeah, Mark. What- Go ahead, Bob. Uh, I- I was just going to say, Mark Mark was up at Zion Ponderosa Ranch, and you were saying they went into an area that had as much as, what you say, 19 inches of snow? Yeah. Yeah, there are those places. I would imagine one of the highlights of being at Zion or Snow Canyon State Park this time of year is just you've got the place to yourself pretty much, don't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we came into the petrified uh, dunes parking lot. There was one car 
Bob in the parking was, lot. He was struggling with where he was I go, going where, to park his car. Where are we going to park? <laughs> Which one should we take? <laughs> it's very unusual. Usually, usually uh, well, you know, it's we're here, you know, on a Thursday as we're recording on Thursday. But normally on a weekend, this park is pretty busy because of all the weekend crowd that comes down. Yeah. Uh, anything else you wanted to share about your Zion experience before we talk more about Snow Canyon? Well, one word of warning, if you're planning on coming down here, especially on a weekend or during the Christmas holiday, that there is construction going on at the gate in Springdale. There's only one lane open. I don't know if that'll change, but it sounds like this construction is going to be around for a while because they're reworking some of the pipes underneath. And so it it can back up as much as an hour or so. All right. So uh, something to keep in mind. I just looked at the current conditions down there. You could tell us, but I can read it from here. It says, Sonny. 41 degrees for a high, lows at night at 21. So it does get cold at night down there, too. It does. And, you know, we've got our gloves on today and some beanies and and jackets, but the sun just feels great. And, you know, just with a little bit of layers on, you're going to enjoy yourself out here. We're looking at the uh, Snow Canyon rim, and there's trails that come from the backside of Snow Canyon, take you right up on top of the rim, or there's trails all through the park. The, The biking that you mentioned, the paved paths. So this is a great play to come and explore during the winter. It's right off the freeway, too. It's not hard to find, is it? No, you just head towards Ivan's. Um, if you know where the Red Mountain Resort is, you just turn north there. Snow Canyon Parkway from St. George will take you right out to Snow Canyon State yeah, Park. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at some of the list of the trails. Uh, Johnson's Canyon, Jenny's Canyon, Pioneer, Hidden Pinion, Butterfly. There's quite a few. Are these uh, family hikes for the most part? Yeah, many of them are, like Jenny's Canyon that you mentioned, Johnson Canyon. That's a good hike for kids. That's just outside the park itself. And uh, many of the, like Petrified Dunes is wonderful, the Lava Trail, the Butterfly Trail. There's a lot of great family hikes in here. One that we like to do that's a little more strenuous, but I have taken my grandkids on it, is the Padre Canyon hike. This actually starts behind Tuacon, goes up over a saddle there, and then drops back down into Snow Canyon. Uh, and that's beautiful. That's a hike that Mark and I have done a couple of times. We were there about this time last year. And then it comes to an intersection that will lead you out to three ponds. So there's a lot. This is one of my favorite places to hike, and I know it is for Mark. Mark and I both lived in Santa Clara at one time, and this is just in Santa Clara's backyard. Do people... you want about an... Go oh, ahead. I say if you want about, about a good hour-long hike or an hour in, an hour back out, is the Red Canyon or the Red Mountain Trail. Yeah, Red Mountain Trail. You start up towards Diamond Valley. It's just go past the park a little ways. It comes in, and it's the best view, other than Zion National Park, down here in southwestern Utah, I maintain it's the best view that you'll find. And it's it's a little bit of an uphill climb, but it brings you right up to the back rim of the park. I'm kind of curious, do people actually, uh, and is there, camping in uh, Snow Canyon? There are campgrounds. You need to make a reservation in advance. They're, um, they're uh, state park campgrounds. So you can go on the state park website and reserve a campsite. Yeah. Uh, you'd have to have some, <laughs> some way of keeping yourself warm at night with those temperatures overnight of 21 degrees. But, you know, our lows here in the north are going to be 12 uh, for the next couple of nights, uh, 14, 16, somewhere in there. So uh, it, it is that time of year. All right, I'm, I'm going to direct everybody, not just to our Facebook page as the wind comes up a little bit there where you guys are, not to just our Facebook page, which is KSL Outdoors Radio, but also to your website, Road Trippin' with Bob and Mark, and uh, just enjoy these photos and some of the treks that these guys make. Bob, Mark, have some fun down there. Be safe. Great. Thank you, Tim. Have a great weekend. 
talk to you soon. You guys too. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, coming up after the bottom of the hour, snow day, and we're headed to Park City. Looking forward to talking with Emily McDonald about some of the uh, Christmas and New Year's plans, along with all that new pow to go play in. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.